Again, I would be amiss if I didn't mention this is what they call Memorial Day weekend. Tomorrow is Memorial Day where we honor those that, men and women that gave the ultimate sacrifice for the freedoms that we enjoy. Again, uh, this weekend, it's the beginning of summer, first holiday, beginning of summer, and today where you're with your family and your friends, and yes, there's got to be food involved, right? Got to have food. You ain't Baptist if you don't like to eat. and uh, We'll be doing that tomorrow. But I would like to invite everybody. Now, some of you will be out of town. You may be with your loved ones doing your own cookout, and that's well and good. But if you don't have anything to do tomorrow, show up at the park. We'll, we have good fellowship, have good food, uh, and we don't stay out to where we get baked like bacon we don't fry like bacon we leave at two o'clock when it really starts getting hot so from 10 to 2 so please no plans tomorrow come be a part turn your bibles if you will to the book of luke chapter 23 one verse is all i'm going to use this morning again if you would stand when you get there. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, and I want us to look at verse 33. Luke chapter 23, and we're going to look at verse 33. Everybody there, this is what the Word of God declares. This is Luke speaking, and he says, And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, which are evil ones, malefactors, evil ones, that's what the word means, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time you've given me to share your word. Give me the words to say to present the gospel in a plain and easy way for all to understand, Lord. Lord, open hearts and ears to receive your word this morning and May I preach with boldness and authority those truths you've laid upon my heart to speak. Lord, we thank you for this time we have together. We thank you for the occasion of celebrating Memorial Day, Lord. We're thankful for those men and women that uh, laid their lives down. But most of all, we're thankful for you who laid your life down, Lord, so that we might be saved. And Father... There's one here today that doesn't know you in the free pardon of sin. We pray that before we say the last amen and we go out those doors, Lord, they'll come to the saving knowledge of Christ before it's too late. Lord, we pray for anyone that needs to make a decision for you. Lord, may your will be done in their lives and hearts. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you for the time you've given us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> About any military base that you go to, you'll notice certain memorials all over. And with those memorials, they signify the battle that took place, those involved. Sometimes they even have the names of those that lost their lives there as a memorial to those sacrifices. And beloved, I want to begin this morning by reminding you this morning that the greatest memorial of all eternity 
is Calvary. Understand that is a memorial for all eternity. The greatest thing that ever happened to me or you, Brother Ciro, is Jesus came into the world to die and atone for your sins and for mine and the sins of the whole world. So Calvary, and notice Luke, he made it pretty simple, didn't he? Notice what he said in verse 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. Understand this morning that the greatest sacrifice ever made was when God's only begotten son came into the world and died on a cruel cross for us. But I want to speak to you just for a few minutes about the place of Calvary. You see, it's hard to understand. It really is, especially me with my little old weak mind. But understand that before there was a world, before there was a us, that God created Calvary. Because God knew that Calvary would be a solemn place and a place for the benefit of his creation. The Bible says in Revelations that the Lamb came before the foundation of the world. He was slain. I think that's Revelations 13. Before the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. Think about that. So God knew all about the place of Calvary. And he did it before we were even a thought. Talking about a God that knows a few things. Amen? Now, notice it says, And when they were come to that place, which, again, it was a sovereign place. God knew all about it. There they crucified him. It was a submissive place. You see, the Romans didn't force Jesus to die. They didn't murder Jesus. The Jews didn't murder Jesus. You say, oh, yes, they did. No, Jews didn't murder Jesus. The Sanhedrin didn't murder Jesus. Listen, Jesus freely gave his life. They didn't drag him to Calvary. He literally went to Calvary for you and for me. You say, why do you always preach about Jesus on the cross? Because there's nothing else to preach. Amen? What is the gospel? His death, his burial, his resurrection. Listen, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. But to us who are saved, it's the power of God to salvation. Understand, any preacher that doesn't like preaching about the cross, I wonder about them. I'd rather preach about the cross than anything. Amen? Because that's all we got to preach. Now, contrary to what a lot of people say, oh, they like to preach prosperity and preach this and that. No, we're going to keep it. The main thing, the main thing. Jesus and him crucified. Amen. Now, notice John 10. Turn over there with me. Just so you know, I'm not pulling your leg. John 10. John chapter 10, and look at 17 and 18. 
Therefore doth my Father love me, because I laid down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Now understand, no one took his life. Oh, you say, well, yes, they took a sword and they thrusted him in the side. Yes, but he was already dead. He freely gave his life. And he knew by the Father's word that, guess what? That grave wasn't going to hold him down. In fact, because of his death on that cross, and we'll get into that in a second, because of what he did for us, death no longer has dominion over us if we know Jesus as our Savior. Amen? A lot of men and women throughout our history as a nation, from the Revolutionary War up till, I guess now, it's probably like 1.1 million people or more have died in service to their country. They sacrificed their lives for our benefit. And that's well, and that's good. But listen, we're never going to see them again this side of eternity. But you and I that are Christians and those that died in Christ, that sacrificed their lives, listen to me, we are going to see them again. Amen? What a promise. What a promise. Now, when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified. You say, Brother John, why? What was the whole purpose of the cross? Well, it was to atone for our sins. You see, back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned against God. And you know God is holy and he's righteous. And in order for us to be able to approach God because he is so holy, he is so righteous, atonement had to be made on our behalf. And Jesus was perfect. He was sinless because after all, contrary to what a lot will teach, he's God. Amen. Jesus is God. And because of that and his atonement, his perfectness, he was able, Brother Shield, to atone for our sins. And that was the only way you and I could ever approach God. You see, if we are not found righteous, and by the way, it takes blood to atone for sin. Had Christ not died on the cross and shed his blood, you and I would be up a creek without a paddle. We would be lost and condemned before God. But Jesus atoned for our sins when he went to the cross. And again, on the cross, Jesus shed his blood. And no one forced him. I want you to get that. There's some out there in Christian circles that say, Christ was forced to die. He had no choice. Sure he did. He could have huh, been real easy. to have called 12 legions of angels and said, 
Sorry, but you folks mocking me, spitting upon me, denying me, you're not worth it. I'm done. But he didn't do that. He willingly went to the cross to atone for our sins. Now, notice, had Christ not went to the cross to atone our sins, then we would what? Face judgment. Understand this morning. Because of Christ's sacrifice, and because God accepted his sacrifice, you and I no longer, those of us that accept Christ as our Savior, we no longer have to worry about the wrath of God and the judgment of God. Amen? I told you many times, I know I'm saved. I'm not worried about facing God because my sins have been forgiven. Not only have they been forgiven, they've been forgotten. I will not pay for my sins in the past. I will not pay for my sins in the present. And I will not have to pay for my sins in the future because Jesus did it for me and for you 2,000 years ago at that place called Calvary. And because of what he did, his sacrifice, and God accepting that payment, that atonement, as payment for our sins, guess what? We're declared righteous. That's why I'm not afraid to meet God. How many people do you know of, you talk to them, they say they're saved, they say they have a relationship with Christ, they say they know him, and all they say, well, I hope I get to go to heaven, and I hope, I hope I'm not going to have to pay for my sins. If you truly trusted him by faith, don't worry about it. You don't have to pay for your sins. Because Jesus did it all at that place, that memorial for all eternity called Calvary. Understand, Calvary or Golgotha was a hill outside Jerusalem. And there are scholars, some folks, some of those scholars say, well, the reason they call it Golgotha the place of the skulls, where all the Romans crucified all of those lawbreakers. And then there are others who say, no, if you look at the side of that mountain, it looks like a face of a skull. And I tend to believe it looks like the face of the skull because I saw that with my own eyes. I've seen Calvary. And it does look like a skull. But the two times I've been there, Brother Bob, I don't know if y'all got to, you and Brother Paul got to go up on top, but we didn't get to do that. They wouldn't let you up there. They won't let you up there. They got it all fenced off. They, they don't let you go right up there. <laughs> no telling. Well, you get a bunch of Baptists up there, there's no telling what kind of stuff could go on. If we got to go up to Calvary, we'd declare war right there. <laughs> but my point is, it's a memorial. And Christ atoned. Now, understand the price of redemption. It's a place of redemption. Now, the word redemption means to buy back. What were we bought back from? The slave market of sin. You see, again, because of Adam's sin, we were declared, what? Sinners. And I know there's some that say, well, I'm a good person. I've yet to meet any good person here. Have you? 
Are you good? If you say you're good, we need to talk after church. Because there ain't none of us good. We're all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Listen, your righteousness is filthy rags and God's not. You are a sinner. You're going to be a sinner. When you came into the world, you were a sinner. And when you die, die, you're still going to be a sinner. But the difference is you're either going to be a saved sinner or a lost sinner. But Jesus came to redeem, and that's exactly what he did. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. God accepted that as payment in full. And redemption's price was paid. And let me just say this. Jesus Christ will never come into the world again to die and shed his blood for our sins. That's why he cried out, it is finished. What was finished? No more sacrificial system. No more dying for our sins. No more law to keep. It is finished. And notice he didn't say, I am finished. He didn't say, you're finished. He said, it's finished. Atonement and redemption once and for all was done. If that doesn't make you excited, y'all need to wake up. Because you're a child of God if you've trusted Jesus. It's finished. There's nothing more to do. But... What about those that aren't? Sister was talking about those. Oh, I don't care. You see a lot of that. And you knock on the door and you're going to find some folks that are out there in left, left field. I've been counseling a man. Good guy. Give you the shirt off his back. But he's so far out there in left field. It's not even funny. Some of the stuff he says, I have to lift my mouth, push my jaw up because I just, how in the, where do you get that? But I still share Christ because Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life and no man can come to the Father except by me. You see, he's it. Salvation has been provided through only one person, and that one person is God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. There's only one way. There's only one life, and there's only one truth. And beloved, I'll go ahead and say it. There's only one means of salvation. Grace through faith. And that means it's through Him. And people all the time will deny Jesus even existed. People will not only deny, but people will delay a decision for him. And let me go ahead and say this, and I won't charge you. Even by delaying and denying, that's exactly what you're doing. You're saying no to Jesus, you're rejecting. But you aren't to give your heart to him. Now, the Bible says there was two male factors, right? Luke said there was two male factors. Now, male factors means what? Evildoer. But one of those evildoers made a statement, a bold statement of faith by saying, you know what? 
me and you, we're here because, guess what? We rightfully deserve to die for our sin. But this man has done nothing. And what did Jesus tell the malefactor? Today you'll be with me in paradise. You say, well, what is that example of? Well, remember Barabbas? Now, he was a murderer. And he was released the day before. And Jesus took his place and was crucified. You say, well, what does that mean, the malefactor? And what does that mean? What is that showing about Barabbas? That Jesus literally died in their place. Therefore, he's died in our place as sinners. Jesus died innocently for all of us guilty sinners. That's what it means. And you know what? Every time I turn to Isaiah 53. Let's go over there just for a second. Isaiah 53, verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he's borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, spitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his street, stripes excuse me, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. But he, brought, but he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. Jump down to verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And he shall see the travail of his soul, talking about the Father, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear the iniquities of us all. I, in years of ministry, have taken this verse, and I'm talking about myself. Yes, I've preached out of Isaiah 53 several times, but I have taken pretty much the majority of that chapter, and I have broken down certain words. And there's a wonderful, wonderful passage there that means a lot. But when you take words and you break them down and get the root meaning of each word, we don't do it any justice. Literally, words can't describe what he did on our behalf. Can't justly describe. 
he took the punishment. A lot of people say, well, the Jews murdered him. No. Our sins, the sins of the entire world, put him on that cross. But listen to me. He went there, not because he was forced to and he had to. He went there out of love for us. That's why he went. And I'll go ahead and say it. If it would have been for me, I wouldn't have done it. I'm just an old sinner. But he loved me. And he promised, if I'll accept what he did, at Calvary, that eternal memorial, accept his sacrifice as atonement for my sins and receive him by simple little childlike trust and faith that I will be saved and spared and eternity separated from him. You see, the bottom line is this. If you receive him, you're going to heaven when you die. If you reject him, you're going to hell. A place of nothing but eternal sorrow and torment. And why people choose to neglect the most important need in their life, that's the question because they do. We know Satan has a hand in it. We know the Bible says if the gospel's hid, it's hid to them that are lost. And believe me, he wants to hide the truth. And as I said before, Jesus is the only truth. You looking for truth? Pick up his word and you'll find it right here. Because Jesus is the living word and he is the truth. Now, we have a responsibility. You see, I'm thankful that when Jesus went to the cross to provide atonement and redemption when he gave up his life all of the sins of the world were placed upon him and literally he took on God's wrath and judgment upon himself which belonged to all of us in the world and he suffered for that. And we don't really mention that a whole lot, do we? But understand, because God had to pour out his wrath, because God had to judge him as all of the sins of the world were placed upon him, that fellowship was broken. But listen to me. It was just for a moment. Because when Jesus said it's finished and gave up the ghost, Redemption was paid in full, never to be charged again. And God said, this is my son. I accept his sacrifice. His blood was placed upon the mercy seat. And it wasn't going to be placed on there time and time again, over and over Sacrifice, sacrifice, it was a done deal once and for all. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10, 
Turn over there a second. Some of you are having Bible study for the first time this morning, ain't you? Hebrews chapter 10. All right, look at verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. And when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which we are all sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. That's why I say and I preach what I preach. Jesus died once, and once was enough. God accepted it, and atonement was made for the sins of the world. Redemption. Redemption has been given to all that will just come and accept it. You see, we're all born sinners. We're in the slave market of sin. And redemption means the price you pay for a slave. And Jesus rescued us from that block. Those that will accept his salvation. So, the remedy. Jesus died. He's willing to save you. But it's up to you. You have no other choice. There's only two. Accept or reject. You will decide that in this life. Say, no, I, I don't have to make that decision now. You just made a decision by trying to put it off. You've rejected him. But you can come to him. And he will say, you see, again, as I look at Calvary, what a memorial. Because it presents a monument that will stand for all eternity when we get to heaven and we behold that lamb of god that was slain before the foundation of the world we are going to always know what he did for us you say how is that because you will see the nail prints in his hands you will be reminded for all eternity his love for you and his sacrifice you say why do we have to remember that why wouldn't you want to Uh, you know what keeps you and I as believers straight? I'm not saying perfect. I didn't say perfect because there ain't nobody here perfect. But you know what keeps us straight? Because we, through the Holy Spirit, do remember what he did for us. And if you're here today and says, ah, I never give it a thought, check yourself. Check yourself. 
because you should always remember. I recall a story about an older couple. They are getting up there in years, and their memories were starting to fade, and they decided, well, for us, honey, we better start writing down everything because we just don't remember like we did. And they agreed to do that. And anyways, he came inside from off the porch, and he was sitting in his recliner, and she says, honey, can I do anything for you? Do you want anything? And he said, yeah, I sure do. I want me a big old vanilla and chocolate sundae. I want whipped cream, and I want a cherry on the top. And she goes, okay. And she got up, and she went toward the kitchen. She said, honey, need to write that down. She goes, oh, I just heard you tell me you wanted a Sunday. I'll, I'll go and fix it. I don't need to write it down. Well, she was gone for a while. And anyways, he said, hey. Where are you? And she goes, oh. And she came out with a plate of eggs and hash browns and bacon, orange juice. And he looked at her and he smiled and he says, honey, I told you you should have wrote it down. You forgot the biscuits. You forgot the biscuits. One of these days... One of these days, listen to me, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're going to wish you had wrote it down. He's given you every opportunity. He's did everything necessary to provide salvation for everyone in the whole world. Listen, everyone is without excuse. So I encourage you this morning, remember what he did. Now, I would be amiss if I did not recognize, again, what Memorial Day is all about. See, a lot of people get it mixed up. There is a difference between Memorial Day and Veterans Day. Yes, we honor our vets and we appreciate their service, but Memorial Day is a day about sacrifice. And it's a day about freedom. And we celebrate that freedom provided by the sacrifice of men and women. But also, the truest of Memorial Day is that Jesus Christ came and sacrificed himself for our sins so that we could be free. And I'm talking, he that hath the Son is free indeed. We are made free through his sacrifice. I pray everybody here is free in Christ. If not, we're going to give you an opportunity to come to the altar and do what God lays on your heart to do. If you're not saved, my prayer is the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now. He's been speaking to you, but especially right now, because this is an important time. You see, we never know what a day is going to hold forth. We're here today, we're gone tomorrow. 
I'm going to tell you something. I hate to hurt your feelings, but there's no second chances after you die. You make your decision now. Because tomorrow may never come for you or for me. So if you're under the sound of my voice and you don't know Jesus, you come. If you're here, maybe issues in your life, things you're going through, hey, take them to the Lord. He can handle your burden. He can handle that load where you and I can't. He just wants us to get out of the way and let him. Sometimes we put ourselves in the way. Maybe you want to just come up and say, Lord, I thank you. And I remember your sacrifice. And yes, that cross, that hill outside Jerusalem, that place called Calvary is a wonderful reminder and memorial that you love me. Because you went there with me on your mind. And by the way, he did. He went there with the whole world. On his mind. So what will it be this morning?